It is good to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. My name is Michael. This is Christy. Uh, we lead the youth here at Bethel Christian Center. It's an honor to speak to you this morning. The sermon message this morning was laid on my heart a few months back. And in that time span, it was something that I knew we were going to speak on family this morning. And it would be something that would be... I didn't even know I was scheduled for right before Thanksgiving, but I was really happy to see it as I looked at that. And then time went on, and I had asked Christy if she, if she would be open to speaking this morning, too. And so she is, I guess, accepting the challenge of, of, of as we have done ministry so often out there, we're going to attempt to break the bread of life together this morning from the pulpit. And the sermon title is Homes of Thanksgiving. And so if you would pray with us, we are going to deliver God's word to you this morning. God, we thank you, Lord, God, that you are on the throne. God, that you are faithful, that you are true. God, that you are the creator, the inventor, Lord, the originator of family. God, that you have called us into being a part of your family, Lord, and that you have given us a vision and a plan and a purpose. God, this morning, God, I pray, Lord, that as, God, we stand up here, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, but I just pray, Lord, that, God, that we would be out of the way, Lord, that you would speak, God, what you would have, Lord, for each one. God, it's a blessing to know the people here at this church, God, but you know, God, the heart. So I pray, God, that you would minister, God, that you would reconcile us, God, to yourself, Lord, through the cross, that you would, God, help us to step out in that this morning, God, as we seek, God, to be your ambassadors, Lord, in our families, in our workplace, Lord, where you have placed us. God, we give you all the glory, Lord, for you are certainly due each and every bit. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, to, to say that this is going to be a little bit different um, is probably putting it mildly. <laughs> um, it's not often that you see two people up here trying to minister the word at the same time. And I'll be honest, I am a little nervous. But, you know, God is good in that he reassured me this morning that I don't have to have a seminary degree. I don't have to go through four years of school to know who he is and thank God for that how many of you I mean you know what I mean we're all here and all he said to me this morning was just tell them about your father so that's what we're gonna do we're just gonna tell you about our father and and how to practically serve him in your homes in your families um, and in your relationships so I'm gonna start out with this when you ask anybody uh, if things are getting worse or better in society, they have absolutely no hesitation in telling you that things are getting worse. <laughs> this simple perspective is backed up by what we see in Scripture and our society's tendency to become more and more fractured through the prevalence of individually personalized technology and media and ideas. We hear self-care. We hear all of these things. Can we expect things to improve through governmental systems? Can we expect things to improve by the things that we see on Facebook and Instagram? We can hope and can optimistically look in our world to be salt and light, but without God's faithful remnant building back that foundation of family that God has established, we will not see the type of change that will last. Even if you have been without a strong family, Christ is the beginning of all things new. And with you, things can be reset going forward. I want to say that again. Even if you have been without a strong family, maybe you didn't grow up going to church. Maybe you didn't grow up hearing the word. Maybe you grew up hearing things that were totally against all of this together. Christ is sufficient. Christ is the beginning of all things new. And with you, through Christ, things can be reset going forward. Thankfully, we are all ministers of reconciliation. So this morning, if you would look with us, you can flip to, and she'll have it on the screen, Joshua. Uh, we're going to look at the very end of the book in chapter 24 this is a familiar verse to some of you and we'll read verse 14 and 15 for a little bit of context here and 
For those of you that don't know, this is coming at the end of the period of what's known as conquests. And as the children of Israel have come from Egypt, God has saved them through the Red Sea. He has established them as his people. He's given them his laws. There's been a wilderness period, and now they are in the promised land. But there's been a lot of conflict. There's been a lot of struggle. And you have this very declarative moment here. Even though things aren't perfect, there's a choice to be made. Would you read with me Joshua 24, verse 14? Now, therefore, fear the Lord. This is Joshua to the children of Israel. Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. So this morning, I want just to begin to think about this idea of family, and we're going to look at what Joshua has said here in this moment. He has made a declarative statement. This is a conscious choice. As was already mentioned this morning, Joshua's declaring specifically, publicly, that he, starting with the father, starting with the spiritual head of the home, that he and his family will serve the Lord. And we read that for context because you have to remember that they were in a different time than we were now, right? How common is the gospel to see, you know, here and there people have some kind of a loose familiarity with it? In this day, that was not the popular thing. There were plenty of gods and plenty of other options in a very, to put the word pagan, it's kind of like a loose kind of churchy term, but it was a very, very dark time. And dark in the sense of anything goes, Sounds familiar? It was something to where you could serve this God or that God, and typically there was a very kind of loose liberality with anything that went on with all these different religions. And so to have this sense of purpose that the family was going to serve one God was very unique. It was very counterculture. It was very against the grain. It wasn't the easy thing to do. And so much today, we have to make that same choice. Not just today, but every day. You speak to Deuteronomy. Sure. So, in uh, if we could go ahead and pull up Deuteronomy, chapter six, verses four through nine. If you've got it in your Bible, this is a good one to earmark, a good one to highlight. In it, it says, "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart." with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words, which I command you today, shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hands, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That doesn't just say, okay, as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. We're going to go to church, and that's all we're going to do, does it? This scripture is talking about when you rise up, when you lie down, when you're walking by the way, this means that these things are always on our minds, the goodness of God, the word of God. And how is that? How do we do that? Do we walk around the streets with just a Bible in our hands and just declare it? No, that would be a little weird. <laughs> but we do memorize the scripture. We have it written on our hearts. We have it written in our homes. We teach it to our children. It was so funny today. <laughs> we were on the way to church, and we have two little boys. I think many of you know, but for those of you who are watching online and don't know, um, we have James, who is two, and we have Owen, who just turned one on Friday. Um, I'm okay. It's fine. My baby's growing up. Um, 
But James said in the car from his car seat, he said, I am glad. I'm like, well, that's good, James. I'm so glad you're glad. I said, who has made you glad? Me. <laughs> he said, me. <laughs> we stopped him and we said, James, James, James. We call him James, James. I don't know why. But we said, James, James, that's not true. You don't make yourself glad. Who makes you glad? And we taught him and we said, God makes you glad. God gives you joy, yeah. right? We, we spend time with our children, and, and y'all, we're brand new to this, right? We are brand spanking new. And let me tell you, in a world that we live in today, it is scary to raise children. And I'm sure when you were raising your kids or as you're raising your kids, you thought the same thing that I did. <laughs> and it's true. But we teach James and we teach Owen at this young, young age so that they know the word of God. Because you know what? It says, train up a child in the way that he will go and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And that's not... Uh, it, it's scary, right? Because you're like, well, what if, am I teaching him the right things? Am I telling him the right things? Let me tell you something. If you are teaching him from the word of God, you are saying the right things. I, I want you to feel empowered this morning because I feel like a lot of you probably felt like I did coming up on this platform. I don't have a four-year degree. I, I haven't studied this my whole life. I'm, I'm a brand new Christian. Teach them from the word you're not going to be wrong. God is good in that. When we walk by the way, when we lie down, when we rise up, these things are on our hearts. And how many of you know that when you spend that time in the Word, when you spend time with God reading what He's giving us, the Creator of the universe has given us His Word so that we can live by it. And when we live by it, how many of you know that you see those fruits of the Spirit start to appear? You feel that joy. You have a lot more patience. You have gentleness, kindness, love toward others, and a peace that just passes all understanding. God's Word is good, and we should know it. We should read it. We should write it on our doorposts. And that is one way that we can serve the Lord. So that's being founded on the Word. All right, that's having that biblical foundation. And I will admit, it's not always easy. Right? There's going to be times where it's not smooth sailing. Um, if you would flip to the book of Ezra, we're going to take a look at another scripture this morning. And... I don't know if, if you've taken a look at the Bible plan this year, but it's one of those things where when you really get in the Word and you're in all of it, you start to wrestle with, so you're like, wow, there's a lot in here that's challenging or long lists of names and, you know, those kind of things that's like, well, this is not super simple. What she just read to you a minute ago out of Deuteronomy is kind of the, just the foundational block of the Old Testament. Like, that's, that's something that obviously would have been in the culture, be it Joshua or whoever you're looking at. And by the time you get to Ezra, this is the end of the Old Testament. Everyone is, they've had this opportunity to serve God and they haven't done a great job, right? The children of Israel have gone into exile. They've been captured by the Babylonians. Some of them are now getting to return home, but it's not like it was. You know, that the kingdom that they had is certainly not what they're going back to now. They're talking about rebuilding the temple we're going to look at the passage where they, they, they're celebrating laying the foundation of the temple. But there's some tension still. Let's look at it together. Ezra chapter 3. We're going to read verses 11 through 13. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. They sang, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever toward Israel. Then all the people, with a great shout, when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the Lord was laid. But 
many of the priests and the Levites and the heads of the fathers' houses, the patriarchs, the old men who had seen the first temple, they wept with a loud voice when the foundation of the temple was laid before their eyes. Yet many shouted aloud for joy. So the people could not discern the noise from the shout of joy from the noise of weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the sound was heard afar off. Now, as you read through Ezra in its larger context, there's so much there that's going on that you have to read and understand us specifically from the New Covenant context of, of grace and understanding what was going on here. But what you did not see anywhere was something that would have been said, oh, well, we shouldn't have built this because it's not what it was. There was nothing that said, okay, you know, we need to fast forward 700 years and just get to Jesus. You know, things had to play out in a certain time, and there was a tension there. There were those that had wisdom and experience and had seen things that others hadn't seen and experienced, and their heart was grieved by things they saw going on. But there was still joy for something new that was happening. And I want to encourage you this morning because I don't know what conversation has been like in your house this week, but I promise you there are things that aren't perfect. And I think so often in the church, when we hear this and that, and different ones have whatever going on, it's so easy to be frustrated. Oh, you know, if only this were different, or if only that were different. It's okay for there to be tensions, there for there to be conflict, and, and there to be different perspectives. Look, coming out of this pandemic, as things are loosening up, I'm so excited, but I know that things are different and are not going to be like they were. Now, does that mean that we just lie down and be like, well, God, I, it's not the same. I just give up. Of course not. How many times in history would have been something in the exact same moment like this, and we're to march forward and say, God, lead me and guide me. Show me exactly what to say, when to say it. How do I act? What's the next step? Lord, give me the fruit of your spirit to, to work in the way that you would have us to work. And that's the beautiful thing that I just wanted to show you this morning. I know that Ezra is not a real popular thing to preach from the pulpit, and I picked a short passage this morning, but I think in so many ways it just sets a powerful illustration of a foundation of the conflict, of some struggle, and then giving us something to think about as we look toward the future. Like, how does this impact me personally? I think there's lots of things that this can speak to us, impact us on, because when you're dealing with the Word of God, that's the point of the church. We're to rub shoulders together. And so those difficult places, we're to do that in community. It's not something that we're supposed to face alone. These questions that we have, we're not supposed to just be isolated. And what the culture would love us to do is just to determine your own truth and say, this is my own path. No, 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 no. God has a better way. God has a more perfect way. And so I want to speak to you a lot this morning, eventually out of 2 Corinthians, but Christy has a list of some practical things. And so much of the Bible can be made very practical, but just some good things to think about, be it family, be it home, be it some things to look at in your personal life. And, and look here, if you don't have a specific Thanksgiving plan this week or something's unique for you and your family, your situation, your single, whatever it may be, remember that we are all part of God's family. So I challenge you, even in your own personal life this week, whatever your whatever the future looks like for the next few days. I challenge you to think about all these things for your own personal situation because God is an intimate and loving Father. And even though you may feel like some of this may not be totally applicable, I promise you from His perspective, He loves you so intimately that that cannot be further from the truth because there is a family of God and we are to make disciples and there is to be an excitement and a joy no matter your walk of life. So as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We make that conscious choice, that decision to follow God like Joshua did. It's founded on the word. We read the scriptures when we lie down, when we rise up, we teach them to our children, when we write them on our doorposts. And it doesn't mean that there won't be conflict. There are going to be things where the old uh, is gone and the new has come. Um, there are going to be things that that maybe your, your daughter, who, who now has given you a grandchild, does different <laughs> than you did, and that's okay, right? So let's figure out some different ways that just practically you and your house 
can serve the Lord after those three things, making that conscious choice. Number one is to put God first. That sounds so simple. And these are going to sound very simple, but they're true. Put God first. That might mean reading the Bible together every week. It might mean reading it every night. I know, you know, it's, there are so many books and so many Advent books and things like that that are out there that are deeply rooted in Scripture that you can do together as a family. Um, again, just to reiterate, you probably won't do everything perfectly, and that's okay. Your children need to see you make mistakes. They need to see you say, I'm sorry, I, I messed up on that part, so that they can learn how to do the same thing. So you can't be perfect, but it doesn't mean that you don't need to try, right? So by putting God first, reading the word together, praying together, asking each other at the table, you know, what's going on? Talk to me a little bit about, you know, how you're feeling today or what, what, what went on today at school or at work or whatever it may be. Uh, go to church. <laughs> I know I'm preaching to the choir here because guess where you guys are? At church. Uh, but did you know that 61, this is a Barna study, 61% of people who attended church in their childhood are still going today. 61% of people who attended church in their childhood are still going today. Now, that might seem like a very staggering statistic, but it doesn't really seem like a lot, right? Uh, but 78% of those who did not go to church growing up are not attending. So when you think about it in those kinds of aspects, things shift and things change a little bit. Um, I saw a meme that says, uh, I heard that it takes a village, so where is my village and when do they show up? Have y'all ever seen that? <laughs> I got news for you. That village is right here. That's the church. You know, when people see my boys doing something that they shouldn't be doing, I am so thankful when a loving and I call y'all family, when a loving family member in Christ will correct them or will rebuke whatever they said because it's not true, like, I made me glad, it's me. <laughs> That's what we're here for. That's the village. And also, when we're in church, it, it helps us to just really grasp the brevity of what we're all here for. I, you know, as, as, we're, as we were worshiping this morning, and we're singing Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. Do we realize what we're singing? As Matt talks about the throne room, do we understand who we're singing to? And we don't. But in our feeble minds, we sure can try. And in our feeble minds, that becomes overwhelming. And we fall. <laughs> We fall and we kneel before the God that we serve. Our next one is serve one another in love. So this just kind of goes right with loving God and loving people, right? And so as you're serving one another in love, and that extends to your family. How many of you know this to be true? It's hardest to be kind consistently to those that you're around all the time. Those that you love as much as anyone, you're probably the least kind to. That should be the opposite, right? And so serving one another in love looks a lot of different ways. But being willing to say, I'm sorry. That's huge. It's hard, but it's huge. And that goes for any generation, whichever way you're going here. There's plenty of scripture about honoring the father and the mother and, and vice versa. You know, not provoking your children to wrath. Like, this is something that we need to, to work on. Practicing gratitude. Practicing gratitude. It's something that's not second nature just to, to be thankful for things. You have to actually think about the gifts that you've been given. It's natural to take things for granted. It's natural just to go through the motions, get to the next thing, what's the next day, what's the next thing on the agenda, go next, whatever. even if you're not as busy, you may have been at other times in your life, 
it's normal to be on autopilot. So we have to be intentional to practice gratitude. I um, was listening to a podcast that I really like. It's called Raising Boys and Girls, and it's from uh, Christian therapists who are in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, and they talk to teenagers, they talk to, to kids all day long just about anxiety and struggles and how, from a Christian perspective, can we shift that so that they look to Jesus in all things. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes when we think about gratitude, as Michael was saying, it's very difficult to do because, number one, it's a conscious effort. It's not a fruit of the Spirit. Gratitude is not a fruit of the Spirit that just comes when Jesus, you know, comes in and the Holy Spirit pours out. Gratitude is something that we have to make up in our minds to do, to be grateful. And I think sometimes when we go around the table at Thanksgiving and we say things like, well, what are you thankful for? Sometimes we just kind of blow it off like, oh, I'm thankful for my family. And we don't really consciously think about the things that we're really thankful for. And I think the reason why is because it makes us dive deep into the depths of our hearts to understand what those things are. And how many of you know that sometimes when you dive deep into your heart, things are scary? Because when you start to say those things that you're grateful for, for some reason it gets in our mind that, well, what if I lose that thing? And that's hard. But does that mean that we should not practice gratitude? With thanksgiving, we enter his courts. And with praise, we honor the Lord. It's hard to be grateful. It's very difficult. But it will change your perspective on every single thing. Uh, just practically, one of the things that they mentioned to do on this podcast, and this is for every single one of us in this room, if you've got a phone, I think most of us do. In fact, you probably have it beside you or on your hip or in your pocket. Um, they challenged uh, their students, they challenged the people that they talked to to make a gratitude album. Um, and what that is, is they title this album in their iPhone, I Thank God. And they add photos to it of people that they're thankful for, of places, of trips, of things, of, of sunsets, of whatever it may be, of things that they feel grateful for. And I think this is maybe a good practice, right? Like what would happen if we decided to, when we start feeling anger, when we start feeling something rise up in us, we go to God in thanksgiving. And we say, God, we thank you. We remember where we were. We remember now where we are. And you have changed me. Wouldn't that be such a good thing? The next one, there's three more on this list of seven. It's to honor one another. And I'll simply say this because I spoke to it just a minute ago in some ways. Every single person is made in the image of God. That means there's an intrinsic value that nothing that a person does can add to or take away from. And so when you think of someone like that, no matter how frustrated you are or whatever, there should be a sense of honor that even when you're mad, we're real intentional not to throw anyone under the bus, right? So that should be something that we live our lives in. It's not just honoring your parents. Yes, of course. That's kind of where it starts right there. But then beyond that, to show honor, to give honor. Number six, serving God outside of your walls. Serving God outside. We have more than four walls here. But to not just to be in the church. You know, the Great Commission says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. So as you think about your family, yes, it is very important to set that foundation. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord and then to do it, right? 
to not just serve God in your homes and keep it to yourselves, but to go out to the nations and to teach those about the joy that you have in your heart. You know, I th- I, when we get in the word, it, it just kind of comes out, doesn't it? <laughs> we can't really just keep it in. It overflows. So serving God outside of your four walls. And the last one is to share the gospel and to be ministers of reconciliation. To give the word of God to those that you come into contact with. And to know and to see the hurt. Because everyone's got something they're going through. Be the outside of Christ. They need to be reconciled to their maker to have the freedom that comes in knowing Jesus Christ is a personal Savior, to have that just overwhelming transformation and joy that comes with salvation. But as someone who is already a Christian, there are still things that can be struggles. And so we're to be called to be ministers of reconciliation in families, in the situations that we know are broken, to speak life into people. Brother Matt, if you would have come, we're going to sing, I speak Jesus as we move into a time of ministry, but I I challenge you to literally to speak Jesus into those that don't know him at all. Maybe those that have heard about him, but don't truly know him. It's kind of a head knowledge kind of thing. And then to speak Jesus into family members and those that are, those that are dealing with things, right? There's plenty of ways to, to share the gospel and to demonstrate ministry without having to preach at someone. And look, it can be a challenge. You can be giving someone truth and walk away and they felt like you were preaching to them and you were just trying to be honest. That can happen. That can be the hard aspect of life. But I challenge you to be thinking, to be mindful of these things. As they begin to play in the background, I want to speak to you one more time because I don't want to, to let anything kind of go by the wayside. And I might forget about this piece of paper, so I will mention it. We did not give you an outline this morning because what we were doing was very different. We felt like it might take away than add to. But there is a piece of paper that you will see available to you as you leave. It's 20 foundational truths. I had just kind of titled it foundations, thought about doing like a children's devotion. I had to sit on a computer. And even though it's just the verses, I was like, you know what? What a better time. So just to empower you with, with things to be aware of in, in 20 kind of different verses. They're very kind of obscure translations, but you can read them in any translation. Just simple truths that we need to teach, to know ourselves and then to be empowered to share others. In Ezra 9, this is actually by Ezra himself. There's kind of a very unique situation there. Again, this is old covenant kind of law, but I want to use it to share a point because so often we get Maybe not embarrassed, but it's not easy to to get beside yourself and to have this true, genuine, burning kind of repentance. And so this morning, as we think about those in our family and those that need to be reconciled and us ministering to those that God's put into our path, I don't want to miss those that we ourselves need to be reconciled. You know personally that you're far from Christ. And there just needs to be this longing There needs to be this humility, this godly sorrow and grief. And so I want to read this from Ezra 9. We're not going to put it up on the screen. The context here is even such to where it was about intermarriage and as they were coming back into the land, a lot of different things. And even the book of Ezra in general is is very difficult. But in the age of grace that we're in, the understanding of now being in the new covenant of Christ The prayer that is prayed here is so real. It reminds me of the tax collector that said, Oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So Ezra said, When I heard this thing, I tore my garment and my robe and plucked out some of my hair of my head and my beard. And I sat down astonished. Then everyone who trembled at the words of The God of Israel assembled to me, and because of the transgression of those who had been carried away captive, I sat astonished until the evening sacrifice. At the evening sacrifice, I arose from my fasting, 
having torn my garment and my robe, I fell on my knees and spread out my hands to the Lord my God and said, Oh my God, I'm too ashamed and humiliated to lift up my face to you, my God, for our iniquities have risen higher than our heads and our guilt has grown up to the heavens. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give opportunity this morning. If you know that God's dealing with you in some type of way, that in itself, church, is a blessing. Every good and perfect thing is from God, and there's plenty of people that are lost in sin that don't feel bad about it for a second. And so I just challenge this morning, if you need that kind of scab to be picked off your heart into what would stone to become flesh again, Maybe, maybe this is all foreign to you. You never experienced that ever of what it means to be born again. I challenge you to slip up your hand right now. And as you continue to keep every eye closed, would you pray with me? And I ask you to pray in your heart. And, and if, if you haven't raised your hand, if you would pray in your spirit and join with those that that God's working in their life, that, that his spirit would do what only he can. God, I thank you, Lord, that you have caused us to walk, Lord, by the spirit and not by the letter of the law. I thank you, Lord, that in you all things are made new. And this morning, Lord, in this moment, God, I pray, Lord, for every single heart. God, every heart that has recognized their need for you, Lord, the need to be reconciled. God, knowing we're lost is the first step. Lord, and I just pray, Lord, that, God, this renewal would start and be totally accomplished, Lord, through the power of your spirit and the work that was completed on the cross. Lord, oh God, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. And I pray, Lord, that that reality would hit us right in the heart. God, that we would weep, Lord, that, that sin that we see around us, God, would weep. We would, God, be earnestly sorry. God, that we would not judge the world that's lost, but that we would, God, reach out to them in faith, Lord, that you can heal anyone if you were able to save us. There's nothing too hard for you. God, we thank you for it, Lord. God, and we declare in this time, Lord, that we are going to speak Jesus. God, be the lifter of our heads this morning, Lord, and would you do a new thing, Lord God, in your people. In Jesus' name. Would you stand and sing with us this morning? I'll ask you to come forward to the altar eventually, but let's just lift a joyful noise. You're welcome to come now if you'd like. I just want. I just want to speak the name of Jesus.
you're not familiar with some of the things we've been talking about today. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who's reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word, the word of reconciliation. Someone say, the gospel. The gospel. Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ, for Christ, as though God were pleading through us we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. This morning in this time of ministry at the altar, there's a few things I want to focus on. If you need to be reconciled, of course, that is primary. If there's someone in your heart that you know that you're going to see this week, be it you're the one hosting Thanksgiving, be it the one you're going somewhere else. However, you just have someone in your heart, there's a burden. You're praying for this person. The main focus of this altar time is that we would receive prayer and be equipped for that moment not to lay into them with the right way to be. And I'm gonna tell you what, this is my chance. It comes around once a year and I'm gonna take it. But that we could, through the Spirit of God, work and be His ambassador as He would have us to massage His Word through His Spirit for His glory. So if you have not already come forward and there is someone on your heart that you are praying for, there's a burden for, I challenge you to come forward now as well. And as we sing this song again, those of you that are on the prayer team, raise your hand if you would like someone to pray with you. I'll have pastor close and do special needs later. But to this effect, if you want someone to pray, pray with you right now as we begin to sing, would you lift your hand? Hallelujah. Let's speak Jesus, church. One more thing I want to say right now, real quick. There's some of this that talks in these chapters before this about the veil. And I've talked about not speaking judgment over people. It talks about the veil that Moses had and that was lifted. You have to remember, even what was going on in Paul's day, there were people that read the Old Testament with a veil over their eyes that didn't have the Spirit of God revealing to them what Christ was doing and how all this worked together. It's not our job to judge the lost. There's one judge. And this tension that we feel, one more passage of Scripture for you this morning. As a humble jar of clay here reading this, three verses from chapter 4, 2 Corinthians but we have treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. 
We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. And as the body of the Lord Jesus Christ was crushed for our transgression, we go through things, but it's in freedom and victory. Let's worship, let's speak Jesus this morning. Let's be intentional as we go out, as we minister in our families with the friends that you might see this week. Let's trust him for what he only can accomplish. Hallelujah, let's sing it again. Thank you, church. Shout Jesus from the mountains. and the power of God is in this place today. And if you've asked him, you've been reconciled to him. And as Brother Michael just give us the challenge that this week, if there's someone that needs to be reconciled in our lives, maybe to us, us to them, maybe you need to make a phone call, write a letter, do something and say, Lord, break down the wall. Aren't you glad that God broke down the wall, the petition between us and him? Aren't you glad for that? Amen. You're glad for that? Amen. Give the Lord a good hand. I, 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 could, not help but, I could not help but think as they were reading the scripture from Ezra and how Ezra sort of, uh, amen, sort of uh, spoke to Israel. Old Testament spoke to Israel, spoke to Israel, and sort of gives me an inferiority complex. It's like one God said, you don't have an inferiority complex, you really are inferior. Uh, he said, what kind of inferiority complex? Because he, he wrote to Israel, and we're Gentiles. We're Gentiles. And so when he says Israel, I say, oh God, how about us? And then we come into the New Testament. He said, you've been reconciled. You've been bought in. And every scripture in the Old Testament, every scripture in the New Testament is to us. Aren't you glad for reconciliation? Amen. Thank you, Brother Michael. Thank you, Sister Christy. Brother Michael and I, we know five brothers. They're called the Heart Brothers. The Heart Brothers. And I don't know, I think all of them are dead now, if I'm not mistaken, probably, maybe Raymond, I don't know. But they had tag team matches, all five of them. Boom, 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 woman preach, woman preach. They jerked the mock out of the other one's hand, and boy, they, it was entertaining, if not anything else. But how many of you know that they did a wonderful job tag teaming this morning? Michael and Christy both, God bless your heart. Thoroughly. Early, early, enjoyed it. Are you thankful for your blessings? We're going into Thanksgiving. Are you thankful? God's so good to us. God's so good. To us. When you think about what God has provided for us, 
and all the good things. Amen. No Wednesday night services, nothing here going on Wednesday night. But we'll come back next Sunday. And I want to continue the message on uh, Corinthians, where we, where we started on justification, sanctification, and glorification. It's going to be great. Father, we love you today. Father, we love you today. There is no way we can thank you enough for your bountiful blessing. Lord, you've give, given us a roof over our head. Lord, you've given us food to eat, shoes on our feet. God, you've given us your love, all your bountiful blessings. May this holiday, Lord, be a, a holiday where we concentrate on what you have done for us. Bless every home, bless every individual, minister. May we leave this place today understanding throughout this week that we have the ministry of reconciliation. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Turn around, shake hands, and be real quick.